Hello, welcome back to Learn It From A Layman. I am Carl Christensen, and I am solo podcasting again. Everyone's off busy. Uh, so I wanted to uh, take the opportunity to discuss a topic that I, we haven't touched on in a while, and something that I work frequently with, and that's uh, elements of computer science. And today, specifically, we're going to be touching on browsers. So we'll talk about the basics of web browsers. Um, so if you're not familiar with what browsers are, uh, well, welcome to the 21st century, but uh, a, so it's possible that you just don't even recognize these days that there is a difference between a computer and a browser. Uh, most uh, of your time uh, spent on your phone, your mobile device, your tablet, whatever it might be, is often either spent on an app or in a browser. So a browser is just a... Uh, client application so that means it's something on your local mobile app or computer laptop whatever it is that uh, is the means and the gateway to the internet uh, so it does all of the uh, connection and the rendering of all of these web pages that you are visiting so uh, on a basic level browsers are do exactly that that's why they're called a browser it's like you would go to a library and browse a selection in this uh, software application, the browser, you browse web pages, right? You go through to different sites, you click different links, and it is the browser's job to make their requests to the various computers and networks involved to uh, get the content that you're requesting uh, and to make that consumable by you. Uh, so there's a lot that goes into it, um, and so we we could touch on a lot at this co uh, this podcast, but we're going to try to keep it pretty pretty focused, I guess, to what a layman might most be interested in uh, as far as what browsers do and how they function and what browser to choose, um, and uh, whether or not you're safe using a particular browser, if there's a browser that works better for particular situations or operating systems or those types of questions. So now that we kind of understand what a browser uh, does, uh, let's talk about, I think, a very basic question a lot of people have, and that's, you know, what uh, does a browser track my activity? The privacy concerns are a big, a big deal. Um, United States, uh, but across the world, people are, are, are worried about what's being tracked, what's being used, uh, who has what data and what what role this has depending on what browser I'm using. So the de facto leader in uh, the browser space is Google Chrome. And if you do some searching online, you'll find that Google Chrome has uh, more about an 80% share and has maintained that off and on uh, for for years now. So that is uh, massive, right? If, if someone had 80% of a particular market, uh, you know, there'd be antitrust uh, involved. Um, but, you know, Google Chrome is, is uh, free and, and obviously you can select it. Uh, it, it is, it, so it has benefits and it has cons. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the privacy issues with Chrome. So I, I, I'm aware that some people are very hesitant to use Google Chrome or, or at least reticent to use it because uh, of privacy concerns. And 
it is the case that, that, that Google does a lot with data aggregation and does a lot with um, using personal data, web data to do um, to, to do what they do best, which is sell ads, which is uh, what Google really makes their, their, their money off of, right? Personalized ads and things like that. So uh, when you log in, and, and that's the big thing. So if you're logged into, a, into your Google account, um, then you are using, uh, and, and then you navigate, you browse on, in Chrome, uh, they're they're aggregating that data. They're looking at the sites that you visit, the time that you spend on. The, they're doing a lot of of they're tracking everything. There's analytics. There's something called web analytics that let you. Uh, they it's done on a site level. It's also done at the at the browser level, so they can figure out exactly what you're spending time on, right? Where your interests lie, so they can target ads for you. Um, some people view that as uh, a big negative. Um, I personally uh, am, have mixed emotions about it. Uh, I do see the benefits of targeted ads. Candidly, I'd rather not have spam ads, meaning just uh, all over the place. Um, I know a lot of people use ad blockers. Uh, I am also uh, aware though that that while ad blockers benefit you individually at least in the short term the idea behind ad blockers is is that you know you don't want to see the ads well the ads are how they're making money right and you by blocking ads are taking some of their revenue away and you might not care the problem is if everyone does that then they have to start charge websites various websites would have to start charging for um, for access and so it's going to change the model, right? And so that's that's the the, the give and take with with uh, ads and how those are used. But back to the privacy concerns and, and the the data that is collected in browsers. So uh, in Chrome, you you log in, it has all of your bookmarks, all that information, um, and as a result, you're also giving them access to a lot of your data. Uh, other browsers and all browsers have some role in this. It is important to recognize though that browsers and, and and companies that create these browsers are not the only people getting your data, aggregating your data, and selling your data. Um, your internet service provider also gets your data. Uh, so, and uh, we'll get to virtual private networks in just a second for those of you that are in the advanced class here. But the, uh, the basics here is that like we said, the the browser's job is to to do the the heavy lifting of the, of the internet, right? They're out there. You type in an address, you click on a link or whatever, and it's doing all the the navigating, the routing. Well, it's, it's in so doing, it's talking to your internet service provider. It's saying this person is identified by this IP address, which is your your personal identity on the internet. Um, is going to this website and is requesting this data and so your internet service provider can say hmm let's use that and let's sell it um, and so there's lots of fingers in the pie here as far as uh, if you are concerned about internet safety internet privacy that it, a browser is not the only concern that you have 
there is also um, the concern about network communications. And so obviously there's also malware and all those other things. A virtual private network can be a, a benefit, at least to the uh, the idea that your, your information is uh, available as you click on links and, and, and therefore they know that you are going to a particular website and all those um, related privacy concerns and, and uh, tracking information. A virtual private network is it's a software and a server. It's a client server architecture. That means you have something locally on your device and then there's a server out there that is doing some, some job uh, for you. And in this case, in a virtual private network, without getting into the weeds, uh, they're, they're doing encryption. And, and this podcast in the past and various, uh, various podcasts, we've talked about encryption to different levels. Uh, encryption is just uh, translating your data into a format that is uh, only readable by particular individuals if you have a key for example something like that right it's it's uh, imagine taking a uh, you know a, a piece of information and wrapping it up in duct tape. Uh, so that no one can see what it is and you hand it off and you run it uh, over and then uh, someone has a particular tool to get the duct tape off. Um, that might not be a great analogy, but you get what I'm going with for. So uh, the encryption is important as far as making sure that nobody can, that, that only your VPN provider uh, actually gets access to you know, those requests. Um, they encrypt that uh, and then it, they send it off uh, and so that's how you are protected via VPN. So that's something to consider once again. If you, uh, it also make, masks your your IP address, so they don't have the ability to track it to you specifically. Um, and so there are lots of benefits from VPN. Uh, I know that in other countries where there is limited. Uh, free and uh, open access to the internet, VPNs can be a kind of a workaround. Um, I've never lived in countries without uh, free and open access to the internet, so uh, I don't know what the laws are about that, but uh, I do know that it is uh, a way that I know some people circumvent uh, issues where certain sites or ideas are being blocked or censored. Um, all right, we've strayed a little bit from browsers here. Virtual private networks, not exactly browser specific, but uh, it is something related tangentially to the idea that privacy in a browser is, is a concern. But uh, coming all the way back to Google Chrome, um, a lot of people also know about the incognito mode. Um, that does help if you are concerned, if your main concern isn't necessarily about the, um, you know, the, Google or the internet service provider collecting your data and you're more concerned that your your uh, web searches and your uh, you know your, your browsing history is available to anyone that gets on the computer um, it's, it's either at a public computer or a computer where you share it with family and you want to search for a present to get your mom or your sister or whoever it might be um, in that case, incognito mode is probably sufficient for what you need. Uh, in that case, you're no longer uh, your your searches, your your history. None of that is being tracked. There, that is not to say that everything is. Like, uh, if you log, you can still log into accounts, um, right? And as soon as you log into account in, in into an account on any any 
you go onto Amazon and log into an account and and do stuff on Amazon in an incognito mode well sure it's not going to show up in your browser but it's still going to show up in Amazon if that makes sense so your Amazon account is, is separate from that browser um, so be aware of, of you know the, the, those types of, of complications but uh, it is the case that you can do if you don't log into your account and by default incognito mode doesn't it make you're not logged into anything it doesn't use the cookies and and the information that is stored uh, with your browser to do any of that automatic um, logging in and and search history uh, auto fill all that kind of thing that is not done so as long as you don't take willful action and log yourself in uh, you're good as far as searching for presence or doing any other type of clandestine research that you don't want uh, your your spouse your children whatever it is uh, want them to know about um, but like I said that's not it's just for local uh, people on the computer mostly that they won't be able to see it as opposed to like you will still there will still be a potential history of the sites that you visited and those things for via your internet service provider or accounts that you log into while you're in in there so um, let's talk about a few of the other browsers um, like I said Chrome has something like an 80% share which is uh, so substantial uh, that you it's mind-boggling um, it, it's almost to the point that I, I Internet Explorer was back in the late 90s or, or I guess that was Netscape anyway the um, uh, there are other browsers that are modern and work just as well candidly as Chrome though uh, and uh, for example one that that is uh, growing in popularity is Microsoft Edge um, now this is different. Edge is different than your old Internet Explorer browser. Uh, they they made a clean cut, and and uh, while there might be some shared information from years ago, some code that is still lingering. That by and large, Edge is very clean. It's very performative, um, and it's very modern in the way that it renders and and deals with web pages and, and does network communications. So uh, as a developer myself, Edge is a good option as far as just uh, knowing that it will uh, handle network information and uh, render pages uh, in a way that is consistent with modern technology. Um, so Chrome, Edge, obviously I think everyone knows Firefox. It's been around for a long time. It has lost sh uh, usage over the years and, and, and to the point where it, it's now behind Edge. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that, but uh, it, is, it is still a modern browser. It's still uh, fully functioning as far as... Uh, I'm, I guess I'm comparing this if you're on a laptop and using like Internet Explorer, which I pray that you're not. Uh, it is uh, you'll still get great functionality from Firefox and Firefox doesn't have the same maybe a lot of people use it because it doesn't have the same uh, potential privacy concerns or or not affiliated with the companies that you might uh, associate with uh, data 
harvesting and things like that, uh, like Microsoft or Google have been known to, to do. Um, so that is uh, an option that some people, that there is still a crowd that, that swears by Firefox, and uh, it is except it is a performant browser that, that uh, will do uh, handle modern technology well. Modern, modern websites, modern scripts, all those types of things. Um, Safari and Opera. Now we're getting into other so Safaris for your 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 uh, Mac operating systems, your your iPhone, your 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 Apple devices, I guess. Um, uh, and that has a smaller share as well. And then Opera. Anyway, there the, and there and then there's a host of other browsers out there. You could spend quite a while talking about all the various browsers that are available. Um, those are the top five that I just listed: Chrome, Edge, Firefox, Safari, and Opera. Um, the, one of the reasons that Chrome is so ubiquitous uh, is that um, not only do people use it on their desktop machines at work, they also use it uh, on their mobile devices, right? Android is huge. Uh, in the United States, iPhones are still probably the, the number one uh, mobile device, uh, but Androids around the world are the uh, number one mobile device, and it's not close. And, um, and when you get an Android mobile device and uh, open it up and guess what's already there? <laughs> Chrome. So uh, in as much as people do most of their um, web browsing and things like that on the internet, um, on their mobile device these days, uh, obviously, then the, the share of the market that Android phones have helps Google with their, uh, with their Chrome share of the, uh, of the browser market. So um, but yeah, let's once again just talking about what the uh, various browsers are good at. Um, you'll hear lots of different things about Chrome, Edge, uh, their, their pros and cons. It is the case that browsers can be a massive memory drain. Um, they've gotten better over the last few years. Chrome's gotten better as far as just not eating up all the available RAM. Um, and if any of these terms, by the way, are not sounding familiar when I'm talking networks and RAM and I'm talking uh, scripts and all the kind of things. I recommend that you go back and listen to our Basics of Computer Science podcast. Uh, we talk about, I think, every one of those terms and, and kind of walk you through what some of that is. Um, but uh, it, in, in each one of these browsers, when you go to a web page, any modern web page is going to have a mix of uh, markup information so that's like your HTML your hypertext markup language um, and uh, and then scripts that are running things in the background so that are either pulling data from a server or uh, various uh, manipulating data on your computer um, scripts are doing a bunch of different things uh, and so these various browsers have to know how to do that well, how to, to uh, run the scripts correctly, uh, what to do in case of an issue, um, the various errors that can that can come up when you're making network requests, how are they going to deal with those, um, all the different <laughs> potential issues that come up with uh, different computers using different versions of, of uh, sorry, different servers, different sites, uh, websites using different um, 
versions of, of markup languages and maybe something that's non-standard, maybe something that's new and cutting, uh, you know, cutting edge technology as far as what's available for scripts and, and markup languages. Um, and so these have to be pretty robust um, pieces of software, these browsers, and especially obviously for how much we rely on them these days. Uh, you know, anytime that your browser isn't working for you, it's almost like it's a dead end. Uh, so that's one of the things I guess I want to recommend in this podcast is become familiar with more than one browser because it is the case where if you get on a particular website and you're going along and, and, and filling out some form or something like that and all of a sudden you're just roadblocked, right? All of a sudden there's no button or uh, you click something and, no and nothing happens and you're just sitting there frustrated, pulling your hair out and, and screaming at the computer or the phone or whatever and saying, what, what's going on? Uh, be aware that one of the potential issues is a script and or a web page issue being rendered or uh, that script being run by that browser and, and there's an error that's occurred and, the, and either the browser's not handling it right or the script did something that the browser wasn't expecting and now we've got a, a state where you're just dead in the water. The, the browser's not trying to do anything or the script is frozen or something like that and, and you are dead-ended. Um, so in that case, I recommend trying a different browser it's important that you then have access to more than one browser so that this is an option. Um, if it's not working on your Chrome browser, then you should try either Microsoft Edge or Firefox or something like that to see if it is uh, a problem across the board or if different browsers have handled it differently because these are all different pieces of software. The code written is obviously in a lot of cases a lot very <laughs> similar um, because it's all dealing with the same data, but they do it in different ways and they handle errors in different ways. And so uh, I know I ran into this actually just, what's today? Uh, two days ago, I was sitting with uh, a guy um, and we were doing some work together on a computer and we were filling out a form and he uh, clicked a button and nothing happened. And we sat there and we sat there and we sat there and um, he's getting frustrated and fl uh, flustered and I was like okay can I take a look here and so I opened up a different browser got to the same place and guess what the button worked um, and so the uh, it's just something to consider like I said it's not the case that it's always uh, going to be foolproof uh, sometimes sites are just broken sometimes web pages just don't work uh, but it's sometimes the browser's fault so uh, explore that possibility um, so that's one of the reasons to be familiar with multiple browsers. Um, another is sometimes some are just more performant and better at, um, you know, if you have a lot of tabs open, is it eating up all of your memory? Um, are you able to navigate around your computer still? Are there, uh, is something running in the background that uh, you're not, you want to stop and maybe, maybe a different browser handles that better? So, uh, for a lot of the world that is only familiar with Google Chrome, or at least you know has very little experience anywhere else, you know, uh, do some perusing. Give yourself some options so that you are uh, allowing the best performance software to, to, to fill your needs. I'm always a fan of making sure that these different 
the software providers, uh, you put them to the test and, and you know make sure that the best technology wins. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, so one of the things that a lot of uh, users don't know anything about in a browser is um, what's going on behind the scenes, right? And I've made reference to that in this podcast already, but if I am on a web page, what is going on? Um, for those of you that are curious and you're on Learn It From a Layman, um, you're likely curious. Uh, let me give you a little bit of inside information of, of how, how to find out what's going on, because sometimes this can help also identify where the issues are if you're running into an issue or, or just uh, help you uh, recognize what, uh, what all is going on on a website. So if you go open Google Chrome or Edge, I believe Firefox as well, all modern browsers. Um, and then if this is assuming you're on a, la a laptop or a desktop, I believe you can do this on your uh, mobile device as well. Uh, I haven't done it, or maybe maybe I have actually. Anyway, it's been a while. Uh, but if you're on a, brow on a browser um, on a laptop or a desktop and you can hit F12, uh, you're going to, the, that's the button F12 to be clear, not F and then type 12. Uh, the button on your keyboard, F12, uh, that will bring up something called your network tools. Um, and these are, and some, I think some software, some browsers, you have to install something first. These are development tools, usually only uh, used by web developers, software developers, um, in order to, to debug issues to go through and figure out uh, what's going on. Um, but this can also be useful to you just to see how much is involved in a, even a single web page um, and what all is running in the background. And you know, if something's slow, you can figure out why it's slow. Um, and if there's an issue, you can often see issues. There's a bunch of tabs when you hit F12 that opens up. It's going to open up a, another pane inside your browser, another another little window. It's going to cut off part of the web page and hand it over to this network uh, tools tab. Um, and there's a bunch of different options. So one of them is so I'm looking in Chrome Chrome right now. If you're if you're in Chrome and you're following along with me, we got the Elements tab. The Elements is going to give you your your markup. This is going to be the um, the page itself and this is the uh, HTML page that's delivered to your web page and re rendered by your uh, by your browser um, and there you can see all the different tags um, I might do a, a just a markup language podcast in the future just to talk, walk you through a little bit about all of these this information but suffice to say as you if you hover over each one of these elements uh, you will see different parts of your screen lighting up with different colors. What that means is that is the, the element that it results in the thing that you're seeing in your web page. So if, um, if you ho hover over a div, that's a, an element uh, in your web page, uh, and it highlights the whole page, well, you know, you have like the, the main rendered uh, element of the pa uh, of the web page. Um, anyway, you can dig down in that and see what, what each one looks like, what they're named, how big they are, uh, a lot of things that you probably don't care about. 
candidly. But uh, it is interesting and it is uh, sometimes useful if, if, like I said, if something's cut off, uh, if you can't find data that you expect to be on a particular website um, or it looks like it should be there and it's got anyway you can see if it actually ever even got to your browser because your browser here will show you everything that it's trying to render everything it's trying to show you um, so that's your elements the next one over is the console and that's really uh, that's going to be your kind of your logging information. That's what's going to tell you, oh, I did this. I, your browser is going to say this happened, this happened, this happened. Um, and so if there are errors, and it turns out there are often errors loading, um, that you're going to see them there. And uh, lots of different information that once again isn't relevant to you. But if there are errors, if you're hit on a web page and, and like something's not loading or something, then you can go to this page and you can see, oh, what is the error? Like what exactly is going on? Why, why isn't uh, ESPN loading? Or why isn't this website loading? Or I mean, why is it broken? Uh, and you can come here and, and you'll see uh, if there's an error, it'll say, oh, this is what happened. And then for the layman out there that's like, I have no idea what that means, you could Google it, right? You could copy, paste it, and say, oh, what is a 404 error? Well, it turns out a 404 error means nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> we went looking for that link that you told us was there, and the website says that link doesn't exist. Uh, you know, so that's an example of an error that you probably wouldn't generally know about, but uh, is, there are a bunch of different HTML errors that could come back. Um, so uh, that is your console tab. Like I said, it's just a bunch of information that your browser says this happened, this happened, this happened when trying to get this page. Uh, we're going to skip past the recorder. Uh, performance insights, those could be useful just to figure out what's going on, but that's generally just useful for, uh, like I said, for, for developers. The sources is really interesting because that is all the various script files and... Uh, information, images, all those types of things that are coming in with that website. So you'll see fonts, you'll see JavaScript files, you'll see all kinds of information coming in on your sources. And uh, you can click them and you can see what what information is being pulled in order to, to render and, and create this web page. Um, once again, this is for the layman, mostly just interesting. It's not something that you can do a lot of action based on. Um, you can actually uh, change some of the scripts locally. Obviously, this doesn't go back to the server. It's not like you can change a script on your website uh, locally and then all of a sudden you've broken Google's homepage or something. Like that. That's not a thing. Uh, but it, you can you could change something locally on in a script and have it rendered in the page locally. So anyway, that it's there's a bunch of information here, but this is mostly just to show you all the uh, different elements, and not elements as in elements like HTML elements, but all the different script files, images, fonts um, that are pulled uh, to create this website that you're viewing. Um, I think we'll just hit one more before we wrap up this podcast, and that's the network tab. And this one is uh, 
it's important and probably one of the more useful ones even for the layman because this is this is where your your browser is telling you look this is what I'm doing to try to get your web page up for you so this is not locally but actually the network so this is I just clicked a link what what's going on as far as um, you know the the different parts of the page that need to be pulled so maybe a bunch of images a couple links uh, a script uh, all of these different things that that are being requested and from the network um, information by a script is run uh, pulling from from a different website all that kind of stuff everything that the, that is going over the network is going to be showing up in this network tab uh, and so if you are worried that uh, you know what as to where your information is going and who's seeing it and all that kind of stuff well this is it uh, now there is a lot to sort through like I said these things are modern web pages are there's a lot involved and so you'll see lots of different requests made about uh, and different URLs different statuses um, and uh, the, probably the best thing for the layman though is to see the uh, the time related uh, elements of this so it will actually show you uh, how long particular requests take um, and what's ongoing as far as requests being made and pulled from different network uh, locations so if you when an ad pops up where is that coming from how, why did that take forever to load why was I trying to click this and all of a sudden an ad showed up right there well it turns out that the request by the page made to that ad service didn't finish navigating didn't that didn't finish loading uh, and so as soon as it did it rendered it on the, the the page so it wasn't really the browser's problem directly it was that call to the network which is why um, why all of a sudden when you're trying to click something you know I get frustrated by this frequently I'm going to click something on a news site or ESPN you know a, a sports news or something like that I go to click it and all of a sudden it's in a different location and it's maddening so now I click something else right well the reason that those things happen is the network um, requests finish at different times and therefore all of this is done asynchronously meaning at different times the browser can load different elements of your web page and so it does it loads them as it can oh I can put this up there I can put this up there oh here comes the ad it's finally back let me put that up there and so that's what's happening when um, when you're trying to click something and things just keep loading uh, so if you're frustrated by that you can at least understand what's going on here um, and you can understand and, and you can actually figure out what specific issue it is uh, there's not a lot you can do to stop it in that tab specifically but uh, you can at least figure out okay oh this is the, the network call that's being made that's causing this slowness and, and the site to move all over the place constantly um, I guess we'll before we wrap up here a lot of people are familiar with what cookies are you see that all the time um, when you go to a website it's at it's uh, there are laws about you know making sure that you are okay 
that you okay privacy wise and 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 you're aware of the the cookies that are being stored that's cookies are are, are authentication information they are personal information about web history that type of thing that uh that's stored uh, at a per site level um it's stored locally it can be also pushed cookies can be pushed to the server um but it's uh, information that identifies you for the website um and so those obviously can be problematic as far as privacy is concerned um if you want to ask what a web oh, i'm not a web developer but a, a, a general well I do, do I do web development as well, but uh, a developer thinks of that you can. Uh, I accept all cookies essentially all the time, uh, with very few exceptions. And my exceptions are sites that I do not know well, right? So if I'm going to a bank website or something like that, something I trust, that's legalistic for them. They're they're just checking a box. Um, if I'm going to a new site. Not a new site. New sites are usually pretty good too. But if it's some small rinky-dink operation, be very careful about clicking OK, right? Because they can have more malicious reasons that they store data and more cookies that probably are not things you want them storing. So, uh, as these things are want to be, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. But in in most cases, for me, it's uh, I don't mind them storing my cookies because I'm aware of what cookies do. And as uh, having done web development myself, I know they're necessary sometimes. Just in that order to facilitate the best experience you can on a web page. Um, if I can't store cookies, you're going to have to authenticate more frequently. You're going to have to. Um, you're not going to have the whole experience of being able to uh, load quicker, load more of uh, your personal information. Anyway, it's it's uh, for in most cases it's it's done for your benefit. Um, like I said, just be aware of where where you're going, and if you're not sure, don't click I accept all or whatever for those those cookie settings. Um, like I said, cookies are stored locally, but they can also push to servers, and and they are they are tracking you. So um, let's see if there's anything else we want to fin finish off with here as far as br browsers are concerned. Um, I think once again, it's just important to be aware that browsers are local software that are doing a lot of network things. So if very few things that you do in a browser are actually staying there with you. They're going across the network. And the network is the internet, which means it's going everywhere. So um, a VPN, if you're worried about uh, privacy or someone spying on you, those types of issues, highly recommend. Um, businesses often require a VPN because they don't want their employees to be tracked and, and they want encryption as far as what their employees might be working on, those types of things. So VPNs are often required for uh, for businesses. But uh, browsers are just a, a tool to access and manipulate and uh, interface with the, in the internet. So um, there are better tools and there are worse tools. And tools have uh, obviously different strengths and weaknesses and um, and be aware that browsers are constantly updating uh, they're constantly getting better there's new technology out there and so every time when you open it up and you wonder well what is this stupid thing saying I have to update close down my browser to update uh, so that I could um, 
you know, that's that's either Google's developers or Microsoft's developers or Firefox's developers that are trying to stay on top of either issues that they've run into or new features, new information, new ways scripts are running, new ways that uh, web pages are being handled that they have to constantly update your browser to handle that. So uh, be patient with those things but be aware, keep your eyes wide open as far as what's going on in your browser because that is a way that you are interfacing with the world and uh, so I hope this has been useful for you. Like I said, if any of these terms weren't familiar, go back and listen to com the computer science uh, podcast and if you have any other questions or feedback for us, go onto our we uh, Facebook page. We also on Twitter uh, and very few of us listened, uh, very few of the individuals and in the thousands. We had a, a record month last month. So thank you everyone that listened. But uh, very few of you that listen, listen on uh, the Apple podcasts. We do want to grow our share there. So if you know an Apple user, let them know that uh, despite what Matt says, there is no malice. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, uh, whatever platform they might be using. And we'll be back again next podcast with more information. Thanks for joining us. Bye.